Welcome to the Kinjas Podcast. Here we will discuss dance, life, and whatever the f we want. Folks, today we have Addie Chan back in the pod. The first time we had her on was at the top of all the COVID lockdowns. We were on Zoom and the energy wasn't the ideal energy. And today we're picking up back where she's just kind of been moving in the shadows. She's so great at that. And in this conversation, it was really cool to catch up with not just the work stuff because she's always grinding and moving, but uh, how she balances life stuff from physical health to mental health to spiritual health to all of that she kind of walks us through um, her journey and all that but also she gives some really sound and wise advice she's just been living life and um, she's such a well of knowledge such a ball of energy in like all the best ways and she's now a kinja so she walks us through that journey a really, really fun catch-up conversation with her. Yeah, Addie is such an amazing person. Just the fact that she can articulate complex experiences so well as well makes me truly believe that everybody who's listening right now is in for a joyous and amazing experience listening to this podcast. Her wealth of knowledge and experience is just uncanny in so many different ways, but the fact that she is a pivotal cog in the machine that is kinjas but on the side that most people don't get to see mm. is a truly movement in the shadows type of experience and i'm i'm very happy and excited to share with so many people listening today what she brings to the table and why kinjas operates the way it does and how she plays is such an essential part yep. because those people need the shine too because what they're doing what she is doing is something so incredible, so difficult. I, I would never be able to do it in the way and the capacity and the manner she does. And, and that's what we dive into, not just what you do, but how you do it. And mm. she just does it so well. Yep, so yep, yep. excited for y'all to listen. Just get in this podcast. Here's Addie Chan, y'all. Folks, welcome back or welcome to Kinja's Movement in the Shadows. We are your host, Ben. And Anthony. And we are very excited to catch up with our guest today. We have dancer, choreographer, producer, talent manager. Her choreographical works have been seen with League of Legends, The Prince of Egypt musical, Disney's Descendants, Nickelodeon's Make It Pop, and Teletubbies. Teletubbies. <laughs> Yo, you IMDB'd me. One. I definitely IMDB'd you. I don't even have an IMDB. I have IMDb. many questions about Teletubbies. <laughs> and Jackson Wang, The Magic Man Tour. She is of the first class of female Kinjas, mm -hmm. mother to Odin, mm -hmm. wife to Mike song. song. Yes. We have Addie Chan. Hello, guys. Back bam, 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 in bam. the pod. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having Hi. me back, you guys. You for, well, now it's a proper podcast because last time we were on Zoom, which is not proper podcast. Yeah. Also, I feel like this might be my redemption pod because when we did, when we did the last episode, wasn't it like 2020? It was. Like when, when we're in the world quarantine. Sucked. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to be normal, but yeah, like yeah, absolute yeah, yeah. chaos is yeah. the world is burning around me. So it's a weird time. I might be better this time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we made it out the other side. We did, yeah. Ish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, we already got the origins, as always. Go back to that first episode if you are curious about the origins. 
But this episode is a, we just want to catch up with our sister, Addie. You are now a Kinja. You weren't a Kinja before uh, when we first talked. That's right. So a lot has changed. You said I looked up your IMDb. I did the Wikipedia. Um, We also don't have a Wikipedia. Yeah. What is that that all about? I don't know. I'm just throwing out facts right now. I just, yeah. I did not make mine. Google made mine. So maybe we should get like, Chad GPT to make a Kinja's Wikipedia. Chad GPT. Chad GPT. Chad GPT. They're gonna be like they got second place everywhere they went. Yes, America's best runners up. Yeah. This is what we are. America's second best dance. Yeah, crew. second best. We'll take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not gonna get first, the worst, second, the best. Hey. Right. But look at us now. Yes. In a pod. We're still not talking about Addy. Yeah, here I am. I am a Kinja now. Yeah, you are a Kinja now. How's that? Has it been like a resounding disappointment? Like, what has the experience been like? I can only imagine. Not a resounding disappointment. It's funny. I remember like the day when like we all went, it was like me, Coco, Bailey, and you guys took us to, where were we? Soho House? We were at the row. The ro- well, the that's row? when we took the photos. Oh, we took the photos. Oh, right, row, right, yeah. right, right, right. So we did photo shoot. We also did like a Soho House. Yeah, luncheon. we went to Soho House. Yep. And it was like, so how are you gonna feel as a Kinja now? And I'm like, I have no idea. Um, so like, how am I, I supposed to feel? Yeah, because I guess because like I feel you know by proxy involved because of Michael Song, my husband, and then also I've been working for the company since what 2017 or something. So. I was like, I don't know how it's going to change. But then I just, <laughs> this is going to sound so dumb, but like I distinctively remember like a moment where I think we were like in the thick of a job or something. And I like asked like Jason Lynn for a vape because I was stressed. But hit that vape. And it was during COVID times Ooh, when it's that's sensitive. Very risky. The sharing of saliva very is sensitive. Risky. But Dangerous. Like, Yo, we fam for real now. Whoa. And I was like, this is a moment. Which sounds very non-impressive. No, that's the definition no, of Kinja. But, just but very truly, real, like, authentic. I think more than anything, I guess because I, it was it was already, you know, as, like, um, working with the company as, like, a manager, I'd always felt like it was my job to care for you guys. And I love you guys as family already. So that didn't really change. But, like, this kind of extra layer of more, like, I felt more squad in a mm. way. And I didn't know how that would materialize initially when I got, like, the call. But it's in those kind of, like, intimate and minor moments where I'm like, oh, I feel, like, accepted in a different way beyond, like, you tell us what to do and you are mother. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, <laughs> different, you know? But hold so. on. For a historical context, yeah. prior to you working with the company in 2017, you actually have way more history with Kinja's from, and I wasn't even a part of Kinja's at the time, so and you could talk on this. You're talking about 2011 in Toronto. Yes. At the performance. Oh my God. There where, was she was like, she, yeah. where she was like on stage, like hiding behind the like folding panel for like six minutes of our show. Because back then we used to do that. like 13 minute shows. Yeah. She was hiding back there. She like almost threw up from anxiety or something like that. I'm sorry. I just said that so blatantly. Like, no, it's that. Is that it's, accurate? it the like the 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 anxiety i feel it's like such a core memory that i'm starting to sweat in my armpits right now <laughs> like it is very accurate first of all i remember like you know when you hit those moments where someone asks you to do your thing and you're like fuck yeah 
And then that moment arrives and you're like, why, 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 why? (laughs) I like regret everything. I should Uh not have said yes to this. Uh And I felt so much pressure. I remember I was like practicing so hard and so stressed out because I was just like trying to make up a weird little contemporary (laughs) solo by myself in Toronto. And then you guys show up like the night before the show and we smush it all together. And yeah, you fuckers have me waiting behind this like them them this F- like okay, I wasn't there. This like weird like Chinese changing wall and like preset for like forty five minutes. Those panels would become the bedrock of our branding. <laughs> but it wasn't even the good ones. It was like from Target, and it was like <laughs> panel. I think it was. You know how much it costs like, to ship those? We of course we were just gonna buy them in the native country. There's so many reasons. But like the worst part of it. So I'm preset, top of show, waiting for like ever. But I can see because these are cheap changing walls. So there's like full like, I don't know, like at least like. Just cracks in the thing. I can just see through in front of me. You guys just like killing it. And I'm just in the back like I'm going to throw up on stage. They're going (laughs) to reveal and they'll see vomit on the floor. I was so nervous. But yeah, that those uh, those were the beginnings. (laughs) But I I distinctively remember in rehearsal, Aunt brought me a Kinja's tank top. And it was one of the collusive ones. Yeah, it was the OG tank tops back in the day. OG collusive ones. I still have it. It had like the kanji day. underneath the the kindras oh, with yeah. the the collusive style K Whoa. that was like adopted and mutated to to make it more kindras. Yeah, yes. sick. And I still have it to this day. Wow. And I felt so special. So it's both like a special moment and one that um, just felt like a very long fever dream. And okay. I still experienced. Was that sweat. your first uh, interactions with kindras? No, uh, as like the as like the whole squad. I'm actually really asking about Mike. Oh. <laughs> like, was that a thing at that point? Yeah, no, I All the fans have wanted to get to know the yeah. love story, by the way. And oh, every, how, we have All the gotten, fans. I don't know it. Direct messages for days. You. I'm asking you because I don't know it. Really? Yes. Okay, children. Michael Song and I have a really beautiful love story. Hey. We met in 2009 at that same competition where um, we did that performance. But it was in 2009 at, this, at that Toronto competition called the Beatdown. And it was like right off the tails of like Cabo Modern smashing it and stuff. So it was like Victor Kim, Michael Song came out to judge. And I was there as well. And like my first impression was the judges are supposed to meet. I'm late. I open the door. Everyone's there. And Michael Song is like sitting at his little desk making a mix for all the judges' showcase. But I didn't prepare. Probably on GarageBand. On GarageBand. Yeah. On GarageBand. And this was like still had, what were those earrings that had like the chunks? Studs. Studs. Those yeah. like stud Michael oh, Song. Oh, plugs. Are they and called plugs? Still, yeah, the plugs. And, and his headshot was lip ring Michael Song. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he was edgy. And I totally remember that he Mike was song. So edgy, super edgy. And this was like fitted hat, Addy Chan with like Nelly neon paint headshot. This is beautiful. It was a time. Yeah. And I walk in and like Michael songs like making the judges mix on Garage Band, and I'm like, I didn't prepare one, so I was like, oh, Yo, let's all just freestyle. Let's all freestyle. <laughs> Then so I like made everyone scrap all the planning they had done. And then um and then for the judges showcase I I switched sweaters to like my big 
triple XL sweater with like, like at the time that Missy Elliott was really tight and it was like graffiti that says Addy across my chest with like gold chain around it. Sick. And um, we was all it freestyled. White? Um, it was like a light. A it was like something? a light heather gray. Light heather gray. Yeah. I remember it was a very full out freestyle. It had, it was, this video is online. You just gotta search it up. Please the don't. beat down please 2009. Chad, I think. Right it's already Mike song. Chad, like, stop recording right, here, right, right now. Check it out. Click the link in bio. I, I, this is another moment I deeply regret. So, um, anyways, that was the first time I met Mike, and um, at the time I was like, "Yeah, whatever." And then the <laughs> and then and then the next day, the the hosts were amazing, and they took us out to Canada's Wonderland. So, like me, Mike, and and Victor actually kicked it and like really got to know each other really well and stuff, and they were just lovely. And then the moment though was when like. We had iPods and you, you know, like the actual iPod and you were sharing music with each other. So we were on the drive back from Canada's Wonderland and we had a a really good day. And he was like, yo, you want to listen to this track? And I was like, oh, shit, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, I feel like I know you. And then I was like, yo, you want to hear this track, though? And it was Jack Wobb, Ellie Goulding, Starry Eyed. And, And then in that moment, we were like, oh. And we started this like email chain called Musical Exchange Madness, where we would just send each other tracks. That was that was called flirting back then. That was <laughs> they didn't so, know it. But. It started with the iPod mm-hmm. music. Um, anyway, so that's how we first met. And again, and historical this. context. That's literally where we got the song Starry Eyed from, which was the first wow. routine that we ever did as Ombu Black Oz pre Kinjas. And I remember Mike was like, "Yo, I got this song from from this girl Addie." <laughs> So good. But the, at the same time, this is also like the beginning of like the real dubstep arc mm-hmm. in the scene in general. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was like, like this was a, a kind of a, a really nice beginning button to a lot of different narratives that like eventually became what they were. But like the idea Whoa. that Star- Starry Eyed has such a sentimental place in Kendra's history hearts. Like, like if we ever do our uh, farewell performance, Starry Eyed would have to be a part of that in some way, shape or form, just because from a musical and emotional connection place, it came, it all started with Addie. It That's really right. did. I did not know this story. Yeah. And that song still That's hits. That's great yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we go way back, like, Mike and I and even like my story with Kinja's like it's it's really wild even in this moment to like reflect backwards because at the time you know you never know how your your life is going to unravel and to like have all these dots connect now is like really beautiful and mm, crazy. Speaking of dots connecting so mm-hmm. uh, our previous episode we, we titled it uh, Confidence is Not Linear. It's, it's, it's not this like straight shot and oh and um I feel like your life story has kind of done this roller coaster of a thing. Totally. And um, the last time we spoke was during the pandemic, during the the whack times of Zoom podcasts. Yeah. And um, you're also somebody that's pretty hard to track. Like, what is Addy up to? Like, you are like the embodiment of movement in the shadows. Like, <laughs> I have zero idea what you've been up to, and but I know you've been like all over the place. Um, Whatever that means to you, wherever you want to take us, however you want to start us off with that. Um, I don't know if you even remember what we talked about in the last one, but like, just want to catch up. Jumping off of that, I suppose where I was at that time compared to where I was now and in terms of confidence, I feel much more grounded in myself, certainly from 2020. Have such like a chaotic time for the world. Um, so I feel more, I feel more grown. I feel more, 
I don't want to say confident, but just more like in my skin, I think, than at that time. And as far as like, what am I doing and movement in the shadows? I know Mike is always upset with me that I'm not have like no social media presence. <laughs> He's like, you know, harping on me about how detrimental that is um, in some ways. But I, I think I had like a weird, not a weird, but I just had like a journey with social media because I feel like a lot of us, unless we're really in each other's spaces a lot, that's how we track each other, right? And um, I think younger me and when like social media was really hitting, I was like out there really sharing my life showing everyone how cool and very busy and successful I was mm. so busy and then I went through a really hard couple of years which I know we definitely talked about on the last episode mm -hmm. when I moved from Toronto to LA in 2017 I just got rocked and it really shook me and it really um, made me kind of unravel and reveal parts of myself and why I do things and was really rough but I kind of lost myself and rebuilt myself up. And in doing so, I kind of recognized my own ego in how I behaved, um, in what decisions I make and how I was living my life or what I needed to feel valuable or successful. And a lot of that I felt like I realized, oh shit, if I don't have other people doing that validation or providing that validation for me, I don't have that self-love within. So I worked a lot on that. And so I think in the last few years, I've both like been anti-social media because I think it's for society. I don't like the way that it is, I don't know, taken over our lives. And for myself, I think I've grown out of that and being like, you know what? If people need to know or want to know about me, then they'll know about it. And I don't need people to know what I do to know I'm fucking it up. And so that. that's kind of where that. I am. Yeah. Mm. But I have to also mm. couple that with I'm in the business that I'm oddly very, very knowledgeable about social media and the business of it because I have to manage talent and we're all creating content and so on. So in a business point of view, I'm very in it. But on a personal I'm not. And I very much did that for my own, I think, mental health. But I think also because I really did the self-work in the last few years where I'm like, I don't need y'all to know what I'm doing for me to know that I am successful and happy. Mm. And the people that I want to know are in my life and they know. Or you can ask me and we can have a conversation, a real right. conversation. I think there's this danger to people's sort of obsession with perception and like, you know, everything that surrounds social media as far as like the capitalism and the false narratives. And um, so I've tried to find a healthy position. And in doing so, it means I am invisible. <laughs> so, yeah. Or I just say happy birthday <laughs> to people in stories. And I, I do a lot of caps lock um, commentary, as you may have all seen, mm -hmm. and a lot of hearts. Mm. And, but for myself, yeah. I'm not very... Um, out there so mm. that's why i'm like hey you imdb'd me for sure because for sure did 100 <laughs> yeah, percent. yeah well you know especially as like uh artists content creators and like the type of work that we do and stuff mm -hmm. there's a clear link right uh that where we can associate using social media as a way to let the world know that what we do what we're capable of and therefore like indirectly or directly turns into things like new opportunities and whatnot Thousand percent. so for you though like how do you feel 
without promoting yourself or without promoting what you do in your craft and stuff and i know that you know talent management that's like a different thing because things come in blah 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 yeah. but like you're still doing things like you're working on you know the esteemed teletubbies <laughs> yeah we or need like to get the prince that. of egypt or like you know you're working on <laughs> yeah. the magic man world tour as well like you know what i mean you're mm-hmm. still also receiving these types of opportunities without necessarily putting it out there on this giant flag of like a, this is what i do how are you still procuring these opportunities for yourself You know, I actually get asked that in another way. Often, like, young dancers and stuff will ask me, like, how important is your social media presence? And in one way, I'm like, it's very important. You know, we're booking talent off of social media and everything. But I'm also like, I'm a dinosaur. And I've been telling myself to make a website for 10 years. Do people even go on websites anymore? Like, you know what I mean? Like, much less being active on social media. I have no TikTok. I feel like I, as a dancer lucked out where you can be a dancer and go like the traditional route and make a name for yourself through auditioning and being in the room and everything. And I kind of had accumulated enough of a resume where I was doing it as a dancer and a choreographer before social media was such a um, necessary mechanism to be seen and get your name out there um, and connect, truly connect. As much as I can kind of shit on social media, It's amazing. I find dancers that way. I book people that way. I, you know, I'm entertained. I watch fun cat videos. Um, (laughs) But I guess I, um, as far as like getting my own opportunities now, I've been doing this for a long time. And so I have a lot of, you know, good connections. And I think I have a good reputation for doing good work and holding it down and being good to work with. And I wouldn't say it's just word of mouth, but every job that you do, because like what we do is so like, you pop in and out, you'll be working really intensely and your world is with these like 50 people for this very intensive amount of time. And then you leave and you never see them again, but you never know what connection comes from that moment. And so I think over time, I mean, like I have agents too and stuff, but really it just comes from, Every time I work with people, I do my best. And I think that um, people like working with me. And then so I keep getting called back. Teletubbies is a perfect example. The EP on that show was at the time a producer on my Nickelodeon show, Make It Pop. And so I hadn't heard from her for years. And then Teletubbies was doing their reboot and she brought me back. Or even the Jackson Wang thing, you know, that's just from me knowing Ving through Kinjas. And then I got brought on through that. So I really think that um, even though I'm not out there selling myself, and I know I should, guys, I've been definitely procrastinating. (laughs) Every year it's like, make a website, make a new demo reel, post work on social media like every literally it's on my to-do list every year and I never do it but I've been very lucky to have people want to continue to create and work with me mm-hmm. and I think it's because I'm good at what I do yeah so I think um, you're touching on something that's really interesting about what people tend to use social media for I don't want to overgeneralize like everybody does it in this way but we feel the need to be like, I need to be active so that people know that I'm doing cool stuff Mm -hmm. so that hopefully people reach out to me. So so almost like we're doing it so that we can get a lot of sort of this inbound, like I hope people see this and then hit me up. And then the old school way of doing it is 
just being dope at what you do and killing it, you know, when you're in the field. And then you also do your uh, due diligence of staying in contact with people, which mm -hmm. takes effort. Like you have to do a little bit of this like, hey, we should go grab a coffee. Let's catch up. Let's like, how's everything with this and that? And I feel like, I mean, I know personality types are different, but I think social media can also make you or make a person become a little bit more, I don't want to say introverted, but like, I hope people reach out to me based off of what I'm putting out, like mm. versus me having to go out there and actually like be a, a person, mm. <laughs> like a, a, a human that also wants to interact with other humans and touch base. Because you said it, right? Like, if you really want to know what I'm doing, like, hit me up, like, we'll catch up, let's grab a lunch and, and we'll we'll talk life and all the things. And then, so it's a bit more intention, I feel of like, I want to do it the the analog way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to just like, I, I do. You know what I'm saying? But like, that's the real stuff. Mm -hmm. Not to say that social media stuff is not real. I, of get, it. I get it. It's just yeah. another way. Well, I mean, also as a testament specifically to Addie, though, I'm gonna glow her up because she probably won't say it in this detail. Yes. But you know what I mean? Like, um, the Kendra's is a, a very quite vast grouping of like artists, choreographers, content creators, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of different bookings, inquiries, different things that come in and stuff. So to even be like appointed like as our head management position means that we trust her ability and, and we've seen her, her, her specific prowess in those things that are not necessarily uh, on front-facing showcase. Mm. It's like her rapport building, her, her verbiage, and the way that she connects with people, the way she can light up a room, depending, and it doesn't matter what your skill talent is. You know what I mean? You might just be the EP that comes in. You might just be the, the rich white guy who just pays for stuff, but you don't know anything about it. But she'll know how to connect with every person at every tier and every level, mm. from the highest exec mm. to the person who might be is just like, you know, the PA who's grabbing coffee and cleaning mm. up after stuff. But She'll build a relationship. Right. She'll make everybody feel valued, and she won't won't leave a single stone unturned. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The way that she's you're capable of looking at every line item detail in a contract that's like sixty pages to still being able to like make it seem friendly and easy for people who don't understand those stuff, and being able to communicate all that mm -hmm. that, that kind of verbiage is like it's huge. It's, it's a skill, uh, and and that's exactly the testament to why you you know continue to get like different opportunities booked or or brought on to different jobs and stuff like that you know what i mean and i know i was asking that question like maybe what's the link or the leverage but like i i'm, I'm privileged to be able to see it firsthand you know what i mean i'm still texting addy you know like what about this like what and i i'd like to think that i'm pretty capable and i can handle for the most part almost a to z of every type of thing that i do engage in but that's not the point sometimes sometimes there's also the who's the best at this mm. you know what i mean mm. and who can also be the one to represent the best of this thing you know what i'm saying so Addie he does that very well you do that very 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 well uh, yeah. I mean, we're very fortunate to have you, i think that's a huge thing though because like you know Thank um, you. that is like you said from a generational point of view you're maybe acquiring and, and needing to use these skills you were throwing workshops out in canada teaching people how to like get booked and stuff how to mm -hmm. present yourself in a certain way you know that's that's way more unique and, and few and far in between versus just somebody going out there and teaching the talent. Mm -hmm. how, how good can you get at dancing mm -hmm. or acting or something like that? Mm -hmm. there, there, but there's a whole realm of skills and things that somebody actually really needs to understand if they want to make themselves the whole package, the mm -hmm. triple threat, mm -hmm. and, the, and the thing to be continued to be hit up because like I had a great time with that person. Maybe this person is slightly better artistically for XYZ reasons to this moment, mm -hmm. but like, can I endure a three month project with this person? I loved totally. working with this person. That's totally yep. different. Yep. You know That's what I mean? So, true. so just knowing that, knowing that that is uh, a, 
its own whole set of skills and talent is i think is very important and i think that you're very masterful at that oh my god i'm gonna have to co-sign that oh my god yeah oh i feel i oh thank you so much that's like really really sweet thank you i don't know what to say like amongst all the stuff that. contractually rehearsal schedules that's like all this stuff even for like us doing uh the guys that just did the jackson coachella set and stuff like that she'll go above and beyond everything's taken care of all the information is where it needs to be and still on the day of she'll send an all caps text to make sure that we kill it and have a great time <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's, it's all like, caps, y'all. like, <laughs> like 99 percent is not a hundred <laughs> and like Aww. it's a difference when you see it you know what i'm saying so yes, when you see yes, somebody go hundred yes. percent it it, it matters that mm. much oh my god thank you so much i really appreciate that you guys you know sometimes my job is very movement in the shadows and i feel it's just really nice to hear and just nice to know that you feel that way i think um kind of linking all of these ideas together of like why <laughs> like what if you know like what why do i get brought on or even being recognized for some of these things it's like i i care deeply about everything I do and everyone. And I, I, every job I take the responsibility on very seriously. I think that's why like I'm meticulous. I think that's why I care about everyone being taken care of and having the best experience they can, because I think that's my job to make sure everyone's good and make sure we all deliver on whatever we're doing. But as far as even like I've achieved many wonderful, crazy things, and I've got to play so many different roles within a production or a show. And at the end of the day, though, like my foundation for how I work is a dancer first. And I remember so many times as a young dancer being mistreated or seeing the way things were done and um, seeing the way other crew are treated, you know, because it's very like, it's very much a hierarchy in all of it, you know, seeing how certain talent was treated much better, certain artists are treated better than like the dancer that's working their ass off or, the, you know, and so I really think, you know, especially in my experience in production and as a producer that everyone plays a role, everyone's doing their best. And then sometimes there's this built in, like, I'm going to care and turn myself on for these people, but you, like, I don't give a fuck about you. Mm. And I hated that. I felt that to be so unfair. And um, so I do, I don't, I, I mean, I could say I try, but at the end of the day, like, we're all people. And I remember when I, like a definitive moment where I was like an assistant on a movie. I was a dancer on a movie. I was a mentor for one of the like stars and the head, head choreographer who is very, very famous, who I will not name, would call me like, would not know my name or would call me like some slightly racial nickname. And I felt that that was so minimizing to the effort that everyone puts in on a project, mm, you know? Mm. And I hated that. And I felt like such um, injustice in that mm -hmm. moment. And I always vowed, like, if I'm in a position to care and treat people and be a part of the experience for those people and be in a position of power, mm. I'll make sure that that person never feels that way. Mm. And so um, it's validating to know that uh, it's working. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've those those kind of like hard times or times where I felt kind of like, 
you know, really hurt by stuff really informed me on how I'd want to lead. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's how I um, have my kind of way of being uh, professionally and, and just as a human being though, like, you know, like everyone's a person, everyone mm -hmm. has a story, everyone's like, just be kind and, you know, no one's above that, anyone That else, is a real, you know? like to be realistic though, that is an uphill battle though, right? Like, be, I mean, mm -hmm. the dancers have been notoriously the bottom of the totem pole in the entertainment yeah. industry. And no matter how much things like shift or evolve yeah. or mature and stuff like that, like at the end of the day, from like a operational standpoint, it, it still always happens in that manner, right? Like yeah. even as a choreographer, it's like, the music comes first. So if the music suddenly changes, oh, yeah. it's like the moves have to change. So the dancers have to get into rehearsal and everything that they have worked on has totally. to be deleted and redone. You know what I mean? Like no first, matter what. First to be cut, last to be thought of. That's where you skim the money from in your budget. Mm. That's where you cut time from. That's where you're casting that, based off of things like look, even ethnicity and all that stuff. Oh God, so yeah. mm. so it's, it's kind of almost baked into the ecosystem, but that's what I'm saying. It's like for you to, you're doing a great job, but I mean, at, <laughs> at the end of the day, like you're putting yourself in a, a little bit of an uphill battle, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Trying to make sure that the person, the people who are oftentimes least taken care of get taken care of. Yeah, um, I am. I feel like um, a lot of my job is um, teaching and advocacy both as a choreographer or a creative director or 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 as a pr manager or producer, particularly for dancers. Because most of my work is dance or dance ad adjacent. So no matter what role I'm in, there's usually dancers involved in some capacity or or talent at least, you know? So sometimes I put myself on the line because it means I have to put my foot down mm -hmm. for people. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's that's how change happens. Um, that's also how my people get paid properly. Mm -hmm. That's also how my people get treated fairly on set. And that's how hopefully I can make like a tiny droplet in like this <laughs> ocean of an industry to even in that singular experience have maybe that producer learn and maybe that director carry that forward or that dancer experience that and have sort of a level of standard or precedent for for like in the future, if something else happens, they can feel empowered to speak up mm. or if they become a choreographer, they would want to do it that way or or whatever else. So, um, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's like an albatross or anything like that, but it's something very intentional that I, um, I do when I, yeah. when any, with anything I do. I think you can go one of two ways when you've experienced the type of treatment you can either take that as like, oh, I guess this is how it's done. Mm. So I'm just going, and even like not even on a conscious level, you just recreate that because that's what you experience. So you think that that's how it's done. Yeah. Or you can go the other way and be like, this is horrible. Yeah. I wanna make sure that this is never done again. And if I am ever put in a position where I have any say in it, I wanna make sure I do the exact opposite. Cause right, like yeah. people I've, I've seen, We've all seen choreographers who are just like the, just like another version of like the person that they've worked for totally, and the person that they've worked learned. for. So they just kind of keep it snowballing. Mm -hmm. And then there are the people who like learn from those things and want to make a difference and, and create a positive impact in that space. But you are taking a risk because it's like people aren't used to that. People aren't used to, uh, you know, 
vocalizing in certain types of ways, mm -hmm. but then the ones who you know are sort of quote unquote under you, the ones that that you hired or the ones that you brought onto the job, they learn a much different experience, maybe from anything that anything else that they've experienced. Mm -hmm. So, like I think. Um, like any great, you know, impact maker, entrepreneur, whatever they they see the problem and then they want to provide the solution to the problem versus just like replicating it and keeping it going. And so I just feel like what you've done and what you masterfully do and just the unique Addy way of doing things is just you are uniquely yourself, your personality, and all the fire and energy that that is. And then you also know like there is a way that it was done in your previous history that you want to make sure that that never happens on your watch totally. and i think that's really really admirable well, thank you yeah, thank really, you really so cool. much ben yeah you're right like i can pinpoint the incidences in this all happened a lot more when i was like a younger powerless dancer um you know i've since like risen in the ranks but um there's very crystal clear moments in my mind that that stand out as those moments. And you have to also add to that, I'm a Chinese woman. I do do all those things, but I also have to find this fine line of balancing some ageism because I'm Asian and timeless. Despite the that fact, is true. Despite the fact that I'm an old dinosaur. So people <laughs> automatically judge me. I'm adorable. So people automatically Facts. judge me. I love it. <laughs> But I'm a woman. Yeah. And everything is harder, especially mm. when you're um, seemed as in any way combative when really I'm just looking for fairness and mm -hmm. reason. Um, so that is a um, something I think I have stepped into, um, but also found a way to kind of like code switch when I need to and be able to do that jumping around that you had kind of mentioned before, Ant. And um really navigate how to finesse certain people, certain situations and environments to try and do all those things. And mm. um, yeah, just try and make the experience better for everyone, myself included, you know? It's like, yeah, just you want it to be a good vibes. Mm, yeah, mm -hmm, <laughs> good vibes. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of want to transition with that into a, a certain type of topic that I think would be relatable to a lot of our listeners and in general I think inspirational to a lot of people that I often get uh, like questions from sometimes from like international students or, or dancers or whatever people who want to like move out to LA you know chase the dream get on that journey you know uh, you know leave everything behind and not know where to start and all that stuff and I'm sure you might have touched upon this on your previous podcast but like you did something semi-similar you know you came out here uh, like you said, I think 2017. That's right. Um, and in <clears throat> essence, in a, in a more dramatic way of stating it, you maybe had to uproot a lot of your foundation of everything that you had built out in Canada and stuff, mm -hmm. come out here to a place where some of the chips are stacked against you, being a Chinese woman, you know what I mean? And um, just in the the ocean of the dance world, right? Mm -hmm. When you when you're, you could be a big fish in a small pond, but you come out to LA mm -hmm. and you're, Maybe you're not so big anymore. Maybe yeah. you're just like, you know, uh, literally uh, just another fish in this giant ocean of opportunity and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and being a close friend, obviously, I'm familiar that you had some struggle that came along with that, too, which I don't doubt anybody who's going to uproot their life for like that type of sacrifice and opportunity is going to face in some way. Mm -hmm. But for that context and, 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 you know, for other aspiring potential people out there that may be listening, like, 
one, what was that like for you? Like, what was some of the struggle? How did you get past some of that? And like, um, how did you really kind of like find your footing to to understand what you just who you are now, where where you're at, and how how you feel great about it? Oh man, that's uh, hmm. Well, I I think my advice would be slightly different than what I experienced because when I moved out to LA, I was like a grown ass lady already. You know, I was, oh, I'm bad at math. Uh, 73. Yes, I was 86 years old. Um, I was like, you know, early 30s, I think. Yeah. Um, I think you were 32. Was I 32? Yeah. Thank you. Mike, Michael Song usually fills in these gaps for me. <laughs> um, so thank you, Aunt. Um, I was probably 32. And then, um, so I've experienced life. Mm -hmm. And I had what I thought established myself and known who I was, which kind of, again, um, back to some of those sort of um, earlier comments about like, I thought I was the shit, you know, especially in Toronto. I had been living there for 10 years and I had a career. I had established myself and so on, but I was moving to LA for love. So when I moved to LA, I both came off of some big things. I just finished my long, wonderful TV show. Um, and that was supposed to be picked back up again and it wasn't. So my show died. My dad had very, very life saving um surgery um uh at the top of january 2017 he had cancer which was very very scary uh i had just gotten married i sold my townhouse in toronto and i moved to la so a lot of life happened in a very short period of time and i thought i knew myself and was grown and i was like ready to leave toronto and just start my life again and then when i moved to la it was both like the most beautiful time because i'd like married the man of my dreams um but the most difficult time because like once that kind of immediate kind of like rosiness of oh my god we're married we're starting our life yay it's so warm here um once that left <laughs> <laughs> it is like sunny every day it really is um once that left and i mm. was just me by myself it's this very unique feeling of suddenly feeling like you no longer and this is this this unraveled slowly over time, but you kind of like I felt like I lost a sense of myself because I mm. didn't have every time I was meeting new people, I was introduced as Mike's wife. Period. The end. Now I'm very proud to be Mike's wife, but I'm Addie motherfucking Chan. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. that was that rocked me because now I didn't have other people to tell me that I was the shit. Other people just saw me as this vessel. And I'm like, oh, like you guys don't know what I do. You just don't know what I'm capable of. You guys don't know that I'm cool. And like <laughs> I had to completely, I felt like I'd lost myself because I didn't have other people to reflect who I was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that was so like, ah, like so hard because I, I now lost my professional connections. I lost my my you know network of people, my jobs, my sort of like stature in a community. I had no friends. Like 
a pharmacy is something different here. Like, what is what is CVS? Like, you know, like <laughs> Wait, explain I to never me know where I am. Listen, I know it sounds dumb. Tell me what you a have to imagine. Is. I am okay. like just names of things. Okay. Just basic normalcy uh, yeah, 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 of yeah. kilometers and miles. Got it. Fahrenheit and Celsius. What the fuck temperature is it? I don't know, Ben. You know what I'm saying? Basic <laughs> yeah, things yeah, yeah, of yeah, what yeah. is reality to yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. for 30 years of your life. Mm. And you're and I never expected a huge culture shift from Canada to America, but the most normal things that you just take for granted that are familiar and place you and feel like your roots are lost, mm. including the name of a pharmacy. Mm. Like, civis, where am I going? What I do? Like, it, and it's so, it seems so minimal, but mm. when everything in your life is unfamiliar, right. it sucks, man. Mm. And um, so I'd lost a sense of self. I had no sense of environment. I had no friends. I had the love of my life. But I felt completely unmoored and um, like just so sad. I went into a really bad depression that I worked through for two to three years, which we talked about before. Um, and I had to like check myself, but I, you know, you always grow from hardship and pain and everything like that. So I feel like I rebuilt myself into this version of me now. Um, so... That's like, I guess in going back to your question, it's like, I think if you're an adult and you're moving, these might some be some things that you're not thinking about because you don't know what you got till it's gone. Mm. Little acquaintances, little dancer kids in the community that I'd known for 10 years that I'd probably at the time been like, yeah, whatevs. Getting to see them and just walk into a place and have people know who you are and I know who you are. Going from like that to nothing mm. is so hard and you don't know how hard that is until you experience it. What more? I was also absorbed into this very dense network of Mike and the Kinjas, which everybody has deep history. Everybody has deep connections. So that's very polarizing. Mm. So I felt even more like alone and on the outside. So it was really hard. So I think more than anything, it's like transitions are hard and you got to just put your time in and everything is temporary. And even in my darkest times, I could like intellectually understand that, but it didn't take away like how hard things were. But I would say to anyone experiencing a really huge transition is just in the darkest moments, remember it's temporary and you just gotta let that time pass and you will rebuild again. You have to, <laughs> you will. Um, but if you're a young 18 year old dancer moving to LA, that's different. You have a direct community. You have a clarity of goals. You're going to come in, you're going to go to every class and everything, you know? And I think, so that path is very clear. And you also haven't as deeply established yourself exactly. and your identity in wherever you're coming from. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah, when you're young, you're on adventure, discovery, mm -hmm. discover who I am, try shit out. I have time. If I want to be a dancer, I if it doesn't, it, I just got to test things out. I just got to meet people. There's a path. You can take class. You can network. It, there, there is a, there is a bit of a map, 
and you're on discovery time of youth, which is beautiful. So for those people, I say, just do it. Don't worry about failure. It's not a failure. You have to experiment and try things to know if it's right or wrong for you and just go for it and believe in yourself and try. So so that's the advice for the old and the young. <laughs> Just so long-winded. I'm so sorry. This is is great. (laughs) Well, I I, want to ask, you have a very youthful exuberance about yourself. And I say that because I feel like this advice that you're giving for the younger audience, Mm. and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you do that for yourself. Meaning Mm. you're not afraid to discover. You're not afraid to fail. You're not afraid to try. You're not afraid to like, because I mean, I, I don't want to alienate this like younger audience from like the the 30 plusers over here, oh, right? totally. Because I, I mean, we do, we've had like younger folks sitting in that seat that talk about bouts with mental health and, and social media, like all the things that we're saying. I'm like, For oh sure. bro, we're like the same. We're, totally. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, if you're younger, you experience this type of life. And then when you're older, you figured it out. And so you, but it's like- That's very true. That youthful- ability to um yeah the the childlike wonderment the Mm. the like let's just try let's see what happens when we do this thing like i don't think there's an age limit to that you know what i mean i don't feel like you're a set in the ways type of person so yeah can you touch on that like oh my goodness y'all are hitting hitting me with all the questions uh working so hard brain (laughs) okay here i go here i go um thank you for saying that and i'm glad you called that out you're absolutely right sometimes when people go on podcasts they're like i am old and i have everything figured out Mm. and i think when you're young you believe that Mm -hmm. you believe like oh everyone else has figured out that goalpost is so far away because they're so they've so figured everything out so you're absolutely right in that uh ain't ain't no one always figured it out Mm -hmm. um and i do think that i think i've always uh, uh, you know people often are like oh how'd you end up doing what you're doing um, because it's quite vast and varied. Um, and I think I, I, I've curated it this way, but it's been built because um, I always followed curiosity and interest, which I know, we like I think you guys have talked about on the pod before too. Um, and, and I have in maturity learned to uh, work at not fearing things working work at not viewing things as failure but also just through experience knowing anything is always a lesson for real reels you know even if it didn't turn out the way that you wanted to it taught you what you needed and you got out of it what you needed to grow and become better even like those hard times i went through like I talked about before of being mistreated or whatever as a young dancer I never would have wanted those things to happen but that's how I became who I who I am and made me better for it even those hard times when I moved to LA I feel like a wiser kinder um person healthier person um so definitely maintaining that um that interest in following curiosity, trying things, and working against fear mm. is something I'm mm. I'm working at. I have by no means like um, it's always a practice, um, just like my meditation practice, mm-hmm. a journal. Um, but it's something that I I think has um, allowed me to 
maintain variance in my life that I like and, and kind of like keep going on this weird little adventure that I'm on. Um, and maybe that might be associated with like youthful energy, but I think it's just like your perspective on the choices that you make and the way that you interpret, um, your life's experience, you know? Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Ben here dropping in to say that we hope you're enjoying our chat with Addie Chan. If you want to hear the second part of the conversation, head over to the feed right now, and part two is right there waiting for you. 